You have reached the voicemail box of Speed Dial with Ira Madison III and Doreen St. Felix. This week we talk about Beyonce's Formation World Tour, Hillary Clinton as the presumptive Democratic nominee, and how Ira and I got hustled out of our paychecks in the West Village. This is Doreen. Leave a message. Hey, Doreen, good news. I'm here. I'm in New York. I'm coming over. Ira Madison III is in New York City with me right now. I'm here. He has flown to be in my bosom. Yeah. Come into my bosom, boo. I'm, I'm so here. happy you're here. I love being in New York. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad we're doing this in person this week. I know. And for just such a momentous occasion. So yesterday, history was made for all women across the world. Yes, Beyonce took the stage. Exactly. That's what the fuck happened in Flushing, Queens. I'm still reeling. It was the best. Like, I felt like I was honestly rebaptized. Beyonce's a religion, and I'm her apostle. Were you, like, close enough for the water to splash on you during freedom? Um, not quite. I might, may or may not have been on the fifth level, which were the nosebleeds. It's okay. But I felt, I, like existentially felt the water hitting me during You know, the as Pastor events. James used to tell me, every seat in the church is a good seat. Amen. God can see you anywhere. All right. So that was your second time seeing the tour, right? Yes. I mean, I just have so many. I don't even know where to start. But the first thing that I was feeling as I was watching Beyonce basically lace through her previous catalog that's like almost 20 years old at this point with this new album, I was just so struck by how much continuity there is. So many people like were making critiques about Lemonade, basically saying, oh, like Beyonce wants to be political and deep now, she's never been that way before. And then you listen to Destiny's Child, like Independent Woman, you listen to that and it makes sense within the context of Lemonade. You listen to Me, Myself and I and it makes sense it makes sense in that context. Well, because I think you're talking specifically about um, that Hilton Al's piece um, that, you know, tried to act as if a lot of Beyonce's earlier works were specifically about men um, and didn't bear any further listening. I mean, I feel like the one quote that the New Yorker kept sending around was um, Lemonade is the first album of Beyonce's with songs that bear you know, closer examination. And it's like, yeah, where you been? <laughs> because like, well, that's the thing is that they weren't meant that kind of listener. Beyonce wasn't necessarily bringing in at that point. Beyonce started off as an R&B artist, which I think is a distinction like you have to make. R&B obviously is like catered to and focused on black listeners. And her, in her case with Destiny's Child and after it was black women listeners. And now Beyonce is like absolutely unassailably a pop star, mm -hmm. but those are her roots. So I think for people who are kind of just like coming in after 2013 Beyonce, like really there's just like a whole history that they don't understand. Right. And it's um, not just R&B songs that are about, you know, breakups and jumping, jumping in the club. Survivor was real shit. Written about. Tell them what La it's about. It was written about Latoya and Latavia leaving Destiny's Child and being like, "Are we going to be fine without you?" Like that's what Survivor is about. And 
there's also the writing is on the wall. You know, there's mm-hmm. if you listen to those lyrics, like it's going deeper. Independent woman is clearly not just about her relationship with a man. It has ties to daddy lessons because it's about her owning her own image. And as we all know, her father, Matthew, used to be in control of everything in her life until she divorced him as a manager. Uh, He still owns the name Destiny's Child. um, But, you know, independent women means so much more now. Um, And it meant so much to, like, the women who listened to it before then, too. I just think that, like, pretending that R&B music, because it's about relationships um, that black people have with one another... Um, is very dismissive. It reminds me of, you know, how our language is found now on Twitter and on the Mm. internet. Um, What do you mean by that? Well, you know, how, like, people will find words like woke and fleek and turnt and other stuff and be like, oh, you know, let's use these words for a hot minute and then write a New York Times piece about how you shouldn't <laughs> use this word anymore. What New York Times piece are you referring to, Ira? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like, we were fine using these words before, and you came in and used it for a hot minute, and now you're like, oh, it's over. Like, we've been riding with Beyonce since Get on the Bus, so... Mm-hmm. And that's something that she knows. I would also just say, if you haven't seen the Formation World Tour and you want to see it and you don't want any spoilers, maybe, you know, just turn the volume down a little bit because we're going to talk about specifics. So the visuals in this tour are so crucial. They're so important. And the fact that there was a Lemonade film kind of like hints you towards that. But within the really stunning, like, you know, the photos of Beyonce and video of Beyonce in fields with like incredible like braided hairstyles dressed in antebellum clothes. There's also like home video, home tape of her from when she was a baby doing girls time, which was, you know, the girl group that she was in that performed on Star Search and Lost. Can I say yeah. how beautiful it is seeing Beyonce in antebellum clothes running through a field and not getting whipped? Like, she was not giving you Lupita in 12 Years a Slave. She wasn't giving you Roots. She wasn't giving you Underground. No. She wasn't giving you that Nate Parker movie. Right? That is such a good point. She's giving you, like, some Willa Cather shit. Just, like, (laughs) mulching berries, making making wine out of grapes. I don't know. Whatever people do. It's rare. We don't see... Well, we don't see black bodies in, like, natural spaces. If anything... I mean, I think... Um, that's a conversation that's been happening around Roots in particular and Underground. These two like television. Ain't nobody got time for Roots. I'm sorry. I watched all of Roots. Did you enjoy it? I watched all of Roots. Anyway, back to what I was saying. (laughs) The idea is it's so foreign to show black people in like natural spaces, meaning grass, parks, trees, without them having to till those spaces, without them having to be like enslaved around them. And so it's almost like Beyonce, she's creating like an alternative history, really. Mm-hmm. And it's one that is absolutely linked to her maternal line. Like mm-hmm. Beyonce, I mean, Creole is a dubious term, but. She does have roots in Louisiana. And there were. (laughs) Beyonce about as Creole as she is vegan, but I'm going to let her have, you know, just like. 
I just, I think that Beyonce choosing to access those images at this point in her career and also at this point in her life where she's a mother and she's so concerned about like all of us are, what received images her daughter's gonna get. The fact that she's making these alternative like timelines is just artistically very brilliant. And I just, the visuals, the video and photos in Formation World Tour are just, it's like a whole other layer on top of her actual performance. No, I love the idea of what you said of like alternate timelines. Like on mm-hmm. the plane here, um, I watch two movies. I watch Gone with the Wind. <laughs> okay. And I watch Casablanca. Uh-huh. Um, because they were free and I didn't want to pay um, to watch like The Martian or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it was just so weird because those movies both have two black actors in them who do very good with their roles. I mean, Hattie mm-hmm. won her Oscar for that role. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like you said, there's no way to be divorced from enslavement in that role. Um, and, you know, Sam in Casablanca. Um, like, he's an amazing piano player. Everyone comes to Rick's, and they love hearing his music, and they're singing along with him. Um, and technically, he's not a slave. Like, he's working and being paid. Mm-hmm. It's just like, he spends the whole movie chasing around Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman <laughs> and caring about their love life. And I'm like... As opposed this is, to having one for And I'm himself. like, this is a black man who left America and is playing piano in a jazz club in Northern Africa during Nazi occupation around the world. Like, what is he going through at night? Mm-hmm. I'm interested in that story. Yeah, that interiority, yeah. as it were. Um, so I think it's beautiful that Beyonce is creating, you know, alternate timelines where you can see that image, you know? It's like giving younger black people images from the past, but like rewriting them, Yeah, you know? It's just like Hamilton. Oh, that's you know? such a good example. Like you yeah. could see, you could see an actual story about Alexander Hamilton and any black people that would be in it, that either one wouldn't get cast in the movie. Or they might be Alexander Hamilton because low key, he was probably. Probably. A quadrant. <laughs> <laughs> Look it up, kids. I didn't make up this conspiracy theory. But, like, they would either not be in the movie or they would be slaves. And, like, a director or something would be like, you know, we're just trying to keep it historically accurate. Yeah, I'm like, that's well, always the excuse, right? Like, with Gods of Egypt, that flop Ridley Scott movie, is like, well, you keep it historically accurate. Um, Lin Manuel Miranda decided not to keep it historically accurate. And Hamilton is making millions. And I think your movie made $10. So. <laughs> Being in the audience for me, while knowing all of these things about the images Beyonce uses and feeling really moved by them, I'm feeling that way because I'm obviously, I'm her target audience to understand what's happening. But a whole lot of these people aren't. And so, you know, when I was walking into City Field, which is where the concert was held in Flushing, Queens, I saw two women wearing Mike's Hard Lemonade t-shirts. And it was like, that seems pretty disrespectful. I wonder <laughs> why they feel empowered to do that. And then, you know, you look more in the crowd and there's just like white gay men wearing Beyonce's naked body on their torsos and all of this like really, I don't know, like fetishized appropriative behavior that like that's how 
pop stars are meant to be you know it's weird because seen but also it's like she has this other project Mm -hmm. it's like this sub project and it's being put out in code and only some of us have the knowledge to understand that code Mm -hmm. but like you know you just kind of have to deal with people who are just kind of taking her face value as a commodity that always happens yeah to art in general you know and it's weird now that we're in a level where like we're getting interesting black art where we can you know, talk about it that way. Popular it, black popular art. black art that has different messages and things, but like, it's sort of inevitable too. You know, it's like how many people just have like Starry Night hanging in their college dorm, and they have no idea like who painted it mm-hmm. or any of the story behind it. You know, mm-hmm. how many people just quote a Malcolm. X or like Martin Luther King quote mm-hmm. and like don't even know the context. How many people just get roti on Flatbush and don't put tamarind <laughs> or hot sauce on it and they don't know the history of the importance of hot sauce to West Indians? How many of us? Not me because I'm not eating chicken on the corner in Flatbush, but Oh, you you know what? Miss out on it then. That's it's okay. A, we okay. don't need you. Well, you know, let it's me fine. be racist. Go today. eat at, in Chelsea or wherever you're staying. <laughs> what are you going to eat there? <laughs> a salad? A kale salad? A skinny bagel? <laughs> you're such a hater. I know. But last night I was a lover. It was really just it moved me out of my body. And when she sneezed, oh my God. Yeah, so. When Beyonce sneezed? Beyonce sneezed during the show last night. Um, because she was like, cold. Yeah, she was cold. Um, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> she actually had like a cute, like, human moment. At, you know, shout out to everyone who says that she's not human and relatable. Beyonce, she's just like us. She uses Kleenex. <laughs> What was your favorite moment during the show? My uh, favorite? I think for me it would be that Beyonce's kind of like, she's clearly listening to Afrobeat and a lot of soca. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, girl, like, is your next album going to be like a world music album? She had a lot of dance breaks that were, Afrobeat, for people who don't know, is basically like, popular West African mm-hmm. music. Um, so Wizkid is like the main producer that people associate with mm-hmm. it. He produced One Dance by Drake. Yeah. And she was like getting her little wine on and she was doing her little thing and I was like, oh, dope. Because Beyonce's music influences have always been super American. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited by a prospect of her working with some of these younger producers and putting out a new sound. No, I mean, her bat, one of her most amazing songs within the past like few years was... Um, not even released as a song, Grown Woman. Mm. Like the end of Grown Woman when it digs into like that African sound. Yes. I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. Where's that single? Grown Woman would like slash the fuck out of One Dance on the charts right now. Oh yeah, One Dance Drake would be in is, the grave. Drake is enjoying his spot at the top right now with his with his island beats, his Tahitian treats. <laughs> <laughs> So, I don't know. Do you guys know what a Tahitian treat is? I thought it was a sexual thing when Ira mentioned it to me. But apparently, it was a knockoff pop drink, soda drink. It's, it's a, a knockoff Hawaiian, Hawaiian punch. punch. Knockoff. Yeah. Um, and I'm feeling like maybe they only sold it in 
Wherever Midwest, the hell you grew up. Well, Milwaukee, you know where you know where the fuck I grew up. Don't I come for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and like while Doreen was drinking quarter water on the stoop. Um, is that supposed to be like <laughs> am I supposed to be offended by that <laughs> quarter waters on the stoop was it and that like 75 cents slice of pizza do- I had a good it's, childhood it's a dollar Ira. now it's like three dollars now you, oh you haven't been to New York in a minute I see no, there is a spot off the Nostrand Ave station in Crown Heights that has a dollar pizza I don't know that spot. So you won't eat chicken on Flatbush, but you will eat pizza on Nostrand. I love pizza. If I want some chicken, I'm going to eat it in Harlem. Oh, no, you're missing out. You have that thing where you think American chicken is better than West Indian chicken, don't you? Well, you know, we migrated from the South for a reason. It was to escape slavery, but also to spread the word of chicken. (laughs) Um... (laughs) That actually makes me, just to kind of like, you know, end our Beyonce conversation. Remember when she got that Lifetime card to Popeyes? Yes. When she was like 20. <laughs> I think about that card all the time. Like, Where is it? Who's using it? Like if Michelle. She... <laughs> That's the only way she can eat. She, <laughs> she Mich- uses it like a dorm, like food card. Michelle's actually probably going to send it to um, Farrah Franklin. Yeah. She's probably going to send it to her because, you know, she went to jail again. Yeah, Farrah Franklin went to prison and was unable to pay her bail. So I think she's not prison, jail. Yeah. I think she still might be there. So well, maybe. Well, I guess she can't use the Popeye's card then. Yeah, maybe we should use it for her. Yeah. Beyonce, um, if you're listening, and I'm sure you must be because this, you know. It's us. This is us. <laughs> uh, it's me. <laughs> um, send us that Popeye's gift card. Just let let me hold it for a couple weeks. I'll send it back to you, boo. Don't or, you know, worry. Popeye's, if you're listening, like, just give us some Popeye's. You know, like, we, yeah. I ain't, call me TLC. I ain't too proud to beg <laughs> for some free food. So, while Beyonce was, like, enlivening New York last night, I guess something else was also happening in New York. Um, Hillary Clinton gave a speech or something. Because, like, after the concert, I was just drinking Prosecco. Um, <laughs> and I was having a good night. Um, and I wasn't worried about watching no speech. I watched it this morning. Yeah, I don't know. I saw, like, one or two tweets about it. But <laughs> essentially, Hillary Clinton has all but officially clinched the Democratic nomination to be the next president of the United States because she won a bunch of states in yesterday's primary. And so she gave like a really rousing, powerful speech um, that people said had to empower all women. Basically, the idea was like, that speech happened. We have our first woman nominee. You should feel empowered by it. But it's a little bit more complicated than that. I didn't feel empowered by that speech. And I don't think I will ever feel necessarily empowered by Hillary Clinton being the nominee or being the next president. I know that we are in a pile of shit right now. So I need Hillary Clinton to be the next president. But that doesn't negate the like valid arguments and criticisms that myself and other detractors have of her. And not everybody who critiques Hillary Clinton is a Bernie bro. 
Some of us Not are completely all. rational. I have supported Hillary since the People. jump, actually, but she's not without critique. Exactly. Like I said, not not a Hillary stan, but it's awful that she has to run. Against this joke. Ag- yeah, against somebody who just isn't a politician, maybe isn't even a real human being. <laughs> like, has somebody, like, can we interview Trump's doctor? Like... Can he tell us for sure that this isn't some robot that North Korea threw into America or that this is an actual person? Right. Forget the birther movement (laughs) that they had for Obama. Can we have, like, the robot movement and find out if Donald Trump is a real human being? He might be a hologram. I just imagine he's, Nobody's touched him. I'm sure Melania's not touching him. Even running against, like... Ted Cruz or like Marco Rubio Somebody who's or a something. politician. Someone who's a politician. Yeah. You know, they're politicians who I, you know, am like very much against, but at least they're people who like have platforms. They have a platform. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump doesn't have a platform. Like, I don't even know. His platform wh- is specifically never having a platform and just changing opinion and ideas on the hour. But it's like, how can you even support her wanting to run against? A Republican politician, too, when they're all bending over backwards to call him messy and a racist, but they're also like, but I'm still going to support him. (laughs) (laughs) Like, get it together. He's like that friend that you have back home who you know ain't shit, but at the end of the day, like, you have to ally with him. So you're basically just like, Ray Ray's a little messed up in the head, but that's still, like, that's still fam. So I'm just going to, like, <laughs> always support him. That's what they all sound like. I know. They're and like, oh, he's a virulent racist, but I endorse him for president. The most disappointing one for me. Was your boyfriend? Uh, yes. Your my, boyfriend. my boyfriend, Paul Ryan, um, who is also from Wisconsin. Uh, and I love him dearly, but, you know. We're he taking, doesn't love himself, though. We're, we're taking a break right now, you know. <laughs> Um, he is supporting Trump. He's just, he's messy and he lives for drama is what he does. Um, so I can't do that. You know, like Mm -hmm. Justin Bieber said, he needs to go and love himself before he can love me. You know, (laughs) if you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else? Can I get an amen? No, you're not going to get an amen for me on that. Okay. Well, Paul you've, Ryan? Never su- you've never supported me and Paul Ryan, but yeah, that's I fine. Don't, you're just such a beautiful man. I want more for you Aww. than Paul. The same way I want more from Clinton and specifically the white women supporters who are just like forcing this like, yeah, like women pride. Like you should feel so empowered by this moment. It's like I'm a Haitian American. If you don't know about the history of Clintons in Haiti, you should maybe do some Googling about that. The Clintons when she ran against Obama. Like, that was, that was eight years too. ago. Yeah. It's just, it's. I feel like I'm being asked to suppress both my race and my ethnicity to feel, to like, you know, be gung-ho about all this woman shit. But it's like, I can't suppress those things when I'm out in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody's like ah, that person, they're just a woman today or they're only black today or they're only Haitian today. They're like, no, she's all that fucking like oppressed shit all at once. And I refuse to mute parts of my narrative to fit, you know, this idea that this is like only in a progressive moment in women's history. It's only progressive if you're the kind of person who's going to say, oh, women get paid 79 cents on the dollar, even though 
Latin American women get paid less than that and black women get paid less than that. So it's only, it's just whatever, like, whatever story of history you want to subscribe to as a woman is going to affect how you see this shit. Yesterday, I'm, I'm from California, um, and I was most energized to be able to vote for um, Kamala Harris. My girl. Um, so she was running for Senate mm-hmm. in California, and she won. Um, she won the primary. She won the primary. Um, and what's interesting about that primary win is that while Hillary Clinton beat Bernie Sanders in California with 1.8 million votes, Kamala won the primary with 1.9 million votes, which means that Kamala's more popular than Hillary Clinton in California. Mm -hmm. And one thing Sanders and Clinton voters agree on is her. That's a great way of putting it. I mean, since before even she announced this campaign, people have been like, Kamala Harris is going to be a president of the United States of America. And I actually had the distinct pleasure of interviewing her at my previous place of employment Mm. um, almost a year ago now. And it was so, she's just like so on the pulse. Like we were talking about revenge porn. As um, the district attorney there, like she has been basically drafting um, proposals and bills that have like, you know, been put into law about surveillance and revenge porn, all these things on the internet. And it's like, how many politicians do you see who are actually fluent in that kind of stuff? Who are fluent to be in that fair, language? it's California and half the movies that come out of LA are revenge porn, so. <laughs> Well, that's true. You have to be well-versed. She definitely is a Californian, (laughs) but I think even within that, just that compounded with her work as a prosecutor and then also the fact that she's both like the first Asian-American and African-American DA within that state is just like, uh, this is a person who occupies literally all of the marginalized identities. Mm -hmm. Like she's a woman and she's black and she's Asian. Like she's going to get the things that I'm frustrated that Clinton doesn't get. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's fine, you know, yeah. come through. And Clinton is making the pathway for her to come through. She is, you know. Absolutely. She is. Clinton right now is, um, she has the apartment. She's setting up an Airbnb. <laughs> but Kamala is about to rent that. Well, and then if, she's gonna buy it if Airbnb lets her rent it because we all know Airbnb <laughs> mad races. You got a lot of races in your company, y'all need to do some spring cleaning. <laughs> so, are we ready to talk about what happened to us yesterday? I don't know if I'm ready because it was it's very embarrassing. I think we just need to confront it. I don't go to therapy, but I have friends who go to therapy and they're like, you just need to air the pain out. You know what I mean? Okay. So we got hustled in the West Village. So bad. So badly. Um this was like this was like a flim flam um <laughs> scam, you know, some like this made Joanne the scammer look like Dennis the Menace. Listen. So, we're hungry. Let's set it up. 
MTV's office is in the West Village, so we were like, let's have a cute, like, little lunch moment. It was a happy hour there. Mm -hmm. Um, And we were lured in by this man who... It was... (sighs) It was like he came out of nowhere, honestly, holding two lollipops. Like, that's how I felt. He was basically just like, oh, like two for one drinks, $12. Just like, come in. We're totally, we're happy to have you. We have good food here. We have great chef, everything. And then. We sit down. First of all, the drink situation is like, they weren't really that good. Um, I don't think that there was any alcohol I don't think there was any alcohol. Um, he gave us sangria, which I feel like was just like juice. Like very old apple juice. I don't oh. <laughs> think there was any, there was no like chemical thing going on. That margarita was quite possibly the worst margarita I have ever had in my life. But you know what? We sat there. We were doing it. You know what? It was like, this is $12. This is not a big deal. And then we also ordered some calamari and... Um, Two pasta dishes. Two pasta dishes. Not the ones on the menu. They were the special. Uh, and word to the wise, if ever a waiter comes up to you at your table and you're looking at the menu and they say, oh, we have specials, and they talk and talk and talk for a few minutes, and you choose one, remember to ask the price of said special. It's the oldest trick in the book, but Ira and I fell prey to it. We fell for it, hook, line, and sinker, because the regular Our producer price- is laughing at us right now <laughs> because he doesn't care. I just want to put that out there. I want to put out there that the regular meals were $14, and we paid $30 for pasta yesterday. And I'm telling you, my pasta plate had six and a half pennies on it. That was all there was. $30. I had lobster ravioli that I'm not even sure was lobster. I told him, I don't know what you ate. Um, I also you had, had... You ate like nail filings. Uh, he didn't bring us the calamari. The, oh my God. He, he forgot that's, to put it in. That's how we got hustled again. So he forgets to put in the po- the calamari, right? And then he brings it in while we're eating our pasta. And then he says, oh, third round of drinks on me. He didn't mean a round. He meant One. one. So he brought me another margarita. And then when Doreen ordered Prosecco. Shit was not free. And we were like, but you said third rounds on me. And he was like, I just meant third drink. So like we were supposed to share a drink. So we get our bill. The bill is like $120. 120 black (laughs) ass American dollars. For lunch. I fell on the floor. I fainted from the shock. My heart was palpitating. We almost called me a doctor. It was insane. With tip, we ended up paying like $70 each. $70 each. And we don't get paid for days. Conversely, we went to breakfast today. had mimosas and pastries. And that came out to like $28. Which was very good. Shout out to the place that we went to lunch Le Pan. Le Pan Quotidien? Yes. um, (laughs) Also like Popeyes, if Le Pan would like to send us, you know, any free mimosas or pastries, we will take them. I'm not going to call out this restaurant, but I'm just saying, if you're in the West Village, 
and a man with gelled back hair comes up to you <laughs> and tells you that he oh. has two drinks for one and that the pasta is very good and that the chef is very skilled, run away. Take your ass to McDonald's, have a good ass meal for $6 or, you know, you could go to Chipotle Get a burrito. Get a margarita there for seven dollars, but don't you dare eat at that restaurant. I still cannot believe we did not see anything coming. This restaurant was empty. We were the only people in it, and we saw him trying to hustle people into the restaurant on the street while we were eating. Every person who passed by, he was like, "Two for one drinks." We know better, Ira. We both have lived in New York. I I don't trust a damn person, and I don't know why I trusted him. You let your guard down. <laughs> and I let my guard down with you. And now we're $70 poorer. Mm. So that was our, this was our vulnerable moment. We feel like we've really built a relationship with the people who listen to our podcast. And we want you to just see us at our weakest. And if you would like to sponsor a lunch for Ira and myself at any point in the future. Uh, I will definitely take it. Oh, I'm so happy you flew out to see me, boo. Me too. This episode of Speed Dial was produced by Kasia Mihailovich, Michael Catano, and Mukta Mohan for the MTV Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at MTV Podcasts. Subscribe to this and other MTV podcasts on iTunes.